This is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. And good afternoon. Connor is off today as he's got play-by-play duties. He's just off from White Sox Weekly. He'll be with you at game time tonight as the White Sox and Guardians face off later. I'm Jesse Rogers with you on this Saturday afternoon. For the next two hours, we will dissect what the heck has gone on with the White Sox. It certainly has been a busy week. We might need more than two hours to do it, but that's all they give us. And so I'm here for you. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. If you want to jump on, sound off about everything that's gone on, look forward to the future with this team, because that's really what we have to focus on now, the future of the Chicago White Sox past 2023, because this week, officially, the run that they had a couple years ago came to an end here. Team went 500 last year, and then uh, the bottom fell out this year, right? I mean, it just did not go right. And uh, a lot of us thought, hey, maybe they could have a rebound season. It just didn't happen. So this last week was all about making the most of a bad situation. That's what it's about for losing teams near the trade deadline. Um, If you've heard me on ESPN 1000 before, I've said it often. If you're going to lose in the standings, you need to win something at the end of July. And that's what Rick Hahn is trying to do this week as it just hasn't worked in the standing. So here we go with the trades, Giolito and Lopez to the Angels, Kelly and Lynn to the Dodgers, Graveman back to Houston, that Dodger reunion with uh, Joe Kelly happening as well. And in the course of those trades, the White Sox picked up a bunch of prospects ranging from not so ready to, yeah, very close to being major league ready. Corey Lee, for example, the catcher the White Sox got from the Houston Astros, seems to be a guy that could be in the majors as soon as next year. He had a cup of coffee with them last year. He's 25 years old. It looks like he is ready for prime time, and the White Sox should have an opening there at catcher as Yasmani Grandel's uh, contract is up also. 312-332-3776, the phone number. If you want to jump on, again, Jesse Rogers with you until 5.30, and then we bring you the pregame show. We will also talk to White Sox pitcher Tanner Banks in about five minutes. Obvious question to lead off Tanner would be, what's it like in the locker room with people leaving and people coming? You know, a door closes for some of these veterans, but it certainly opens for some young guys. Tanner Banks could be included. The White Sox called up a, a player today who, will make his major league debut when he gets into a game. That's Edgar Navarro, a guy they signed back in 2018, a right-handed pitcher. So Navarro, who will wear number 66, available tonight. Mike Clevenger reinstated from the injured list. He gets the start tonight. So all sorts of moving parts here as the White Sox move into this phase of, of trading some pending free agents. Now, all of them but Kendall Graveman, uh, were pending free agents. Graveman had a year left. That's probably why they got a major league-ready ke- uh, catcher in Corey Lee. You get a better return if there are more years left on the contract. So Graveman, a, an Astro now for this year and next year, unless they trade him, everybody else that they traded was a pending free agent or had an option in Lance Lynn's case that the White Sox were probably not going to 
pick up, and I'm not sure that the Dodgers will either. But, of course, that depends on, on what Lance Lynn does in the final couple months here for the Los Angeles Dodgers. 312-332-3776. Again, the phone number if you want to jump on. Talking to Tanner Banks in a few minutes. We'll talk to you. We'll go through all the sound that's gone on over Guaranteed Rate Field. I was there for most of it, and I'm talking about the things that Rick Hahn had to say and a bunch of the guys that uh, you know were on the way out. Lance Lynn met the media. Lucas Giolito met the media. So you'll hear from all of them. If you missed it this week, a lot of moving parts, right? We'll play a lot of that between 4 and 4.30. At 4.30 right here on White Sox Weekly, I'll talk to a colleague of mine at ESPN. His name's Kylie McDaniel. You may have seen him on TV during the draft um, earlier this month. He's our prospects guru. He's really good. And he'll be able to break down exactly what the Sox return is with all these veterans on the move. On paper, it looks good. But on paper, it doesn't win you championships. The White Sox know that um, firsthand here because this first rebuild they tried didn't work out. Now, the next question is, is there another rebuild at hand for the White Sox, or is it a quicker retool? We won't know until the dust settles after Tuesday's trade deadline. What exactly does the White Sox farm system look like? What does their major league team look like? It didn't sound like Rick Hahn was done trading veterans. He has until Tuesday at 5 o'clock Chicago time to do that. Um, The obvious candidates are gone. There's probably potentially uh, another reliever that could could go. But the bigger question is what happens to some of those position players that will be free agents from Grandel to Elvis Andrews to even Tim Anderson, who has a team option, so potentially a free agent next year. So that's the big question mark. I can tell you through my own sourcing that they certainly have gotten a lot of calls about their position players, and even, including even uh, pit, pitcher Dylan Cease, but we have yet to see a, a trade for a position player. In any case, let's uh, head down to the locker room area where Tanner Bay, White Sox pitcher, he joins us on White Sox Weekly. Tanner, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining me. It's a strange week in baseball, whether you're subtracting from your team, adding to your team. What's it like for a player? I don't think you're on the move, but you've seen some teammates um, get traded this week. It, it, it's a strange week all around, but certainly when you see friends and teammates go, what, what's it like in the locker room when all this goes down? You know, it's bittersweet. You uh, you develop this brotherhood and this bond with your teammates, and uh, it's sad to see him go but at the same time you want the best for him so um moving forward i know there's a lot of hungry guys here that want to play and are eager to play and make some major league debuts and things like that um so i'm excited to see where things go yeah will be interesting to see if edgar navarro gets in the game have you met him yet is he has he been around the locker room he just got called up could make his major league debut has he been around yet um i haven't seen him yet but i've gotten the opportunity to play with him a little bit he's He's got some cool stuff. He'll be fun to watch for sure. Absolutely. Visiting with Tanner Banks, White Sox pitcher here. And the other part of this is these veterans are moving on because the team, the team's record just isn't, isn't great. How do you get your head, in, uh, head around what's going on here, especially this year? You know, last year things happen. You go 500. But this year it just never got going, even in, you know, go back to, to April and early May. Uh, how, how do you figure this thing out? How do, how do you explain it to your friends and family when they ask? You know, I I was talking with 
Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech yesterday, and we were talking about kind of the progression going forward and what we expected from the team and what we expected from ourselves. And the biggest thing right now is to, I mean, for one, go out and play hard every night, but ultimately to go out and have fun and, and do our best and put ourselves in a position to succeed, um, get the ball rolling in the right direction however we can, and see what we can do, you know. See, see if we can shock some people with the talent that we do have. So, yeah, it's interesting when change happens. It, it does provide a new opportunity, a new vibe, something different because what was what was happening wasn't necessarily working. Now, I know you've only appeared in fifteen games this year, so it, it's tough for you to answer everything that's gone on. Um, but that's an interesting conversation you had with your teammates. Like, okay. Let, let's let's change the dynamic here. Let's see what we can do, whether it be these two months or, or moving forward. That's probably the only attitude, attitude you could take. Let, let's turn this negative into something positive for the future, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, we had a slogan in AAA this year. Uh, our shirts said PVO on them, which meant positive vibes only. And um, I'm excited to have some new heads here that have been kind of living that mantra this year. And, uh, again, like, you know how energy can change things. So you get the right energy in a clubhouse and you get some, some, some faces that are really, really hungry to play and, and earn their keep. And like I said, I think, I think we'll surprise some people. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because like Tuki Toussaint last night, right? Here's the chance for him now that uh, Lynn has moved on. Now that Giolito's moved on, he might get a, he might get the ball every five days here. And, and what a performance last night. Uh, break down his game because that was some some off-speed he was twirling up there, wasn't it? You know what? He's got, he's got some special stuff. He's, it's fun to watch him compete every night. Uh, he goes out and he sets the tone and he pounds the strike zone. He's got a bunch of pitches, but they all tunnel really well. And, I mean, he's nasty at the end of the day. Um, it's a fun guy to pitch behind, to come out of the bullpen and pitch behind. But again, you know, it's it's that that energy, you know, the guy that takes the ball for you and the guys that are pulling for you from the bench or from the bullpen, uh, it's contagious. And, I mean, you saw last night, he went out and set the tone, and we put up a couple runs, and that, that energy kept moving forward. So hopefully we can uh, keep that going tonight and, and moving forward. Visiting with Tanner Banks, White Sox pitcher right here on White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you filling in for Connor McKnight. Last thing, Tanner, what's it like with uh, the coaching staff, specifically even your manager during this time? Is he just trying to send the message, hey, stay focused on your job at hand? I wonder if he'll have maybe a little bit of a team meeting after the trade deadline because it can be a little um, unnerving to see so many people you know, coming and going and you, you, you still have to focus on a job at hand. You have fans in the stands expecting you to, to play your best. So what's that message been like? You know, I've been very impressed with Pedro from, from day one. He's extremely professional. Uh, biggest thing I can say, that not, not the message that he's verbally relayed, but um, just, you know, the way he presents himself is that his business as usual. You know, we got a job to do, and we're professionals, and we have to prepare ourselves whether we are – up five guys or down five guys um, with or without these veterans that we've lost and the new guys we've gained, it's business as usual. So we got to go out there and handle ourselves like professionals. And he's done a good job of, of setting that tone for us.
Tanner, I appreciate the time. I mean, uh, there might be some satisfaction in Sox fans if you could play the spoiler role, you know, maybe knock, knock the division champs from last year around a little bit these next couple days because um, obviously the standings aren't great, but you still have a job to do and, and go out and get a couple wins here. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse. All right, you got it. That's Tanner Banks, White Sox pitcher right here on White Sox Weekly. Tough week to, to come on weekly, you know, a guy that's only appeared in 15 games, so I appreciate his time. Sox fans, from now till tomorrow, save up to 40% off a patio party to select games with our summer patio offer. Take advantage of this amazing deal and enjoy a pregame two-hour all-you-can-eat-and-drink buffet. To purchase your special patio party, visit whitesox.com slash patio offer. 312-332-3776 is the phone number if you want to react to anything Tanner had to say. But we have so much to talk about here on White Sox Weekly. As I said on the at the top of the show, we may not two hours may not be enough time. Um, so let's quickly get to a, a caller before we do anything else. Matt in Frankfurt, you want to jump on? You still around? Matt, uh, you're on White Sox Weekly. Are you gone? Oh, he hung up because Tanner came on. I, that, I didn't want to make him wait through a commercial break because that's what we're going to do right now. And here's my question to you. First of all, you can sound off about the demise of, of this contending window that was supposed to be for the White Sox. Feel free. I mean, the blame game has already been you know done because this has been sort of a, a, a fait accompli the last couple months. We, we knew this day was coming. We kind of know who to blame. I guess in some sense, right? A little bit of everyone, if, if you want, as a fan. Here's my question. Here's my question, because this is still ongoing, right? The trade deadline wasn't yesterday. It's Tuesday at 5 o'clock. How far should the White Sox front office go with this retool slash rebuild slash re-whatever you want to call it? How far do they do they go closer to do, – do they move um, – closer to core players. I mean, I don't think Robert and Cease are going, but there's other sort of guys that you'd consider the core. Do they do they go that direction? Do they move Tim Anderson? Do they move Elvis Andrews? That answer is probably yes, because he's towards the end of his career. I mean, Grandel is still a, a free agent to be. The bigger question than the pending free agents are the ones that are under contract or under team control. Would you turn this into a full-on rebuild? or just kind of try to do the retool and bring in some major league ready players. It seems like they've done a good job so far. How far should the front office go? We'll talk to Kylie McDaniel, ESPN's prospect guru at four 30. You don't want to miss that. This guy can break down every single player. The, the Sox are giving, getting back and give us a true reading on these trades veterans for prospects. It happens every year around the league and it happened in a big way with the White Sox this week as they broke up their team. 312-332-3776, the number. Jesse Rogers with you. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Recap the game, Cap and Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. And 0-2 to right field. Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history. Jason Benetti on the call. Lucas Giolito's no-hitter back in 2020. He talked about that. Pitching in an empty ballpark. Um, Strange, strange year that was. As uh, Giolito is on the move. Was a good soldier for the White Sox. Um, Was kind of emotional in the locker room as he 
his head was spinning as he was on his way out to join the Blue Jays. He pitched last night, pitched pretty well, pretty well. The Blue Jays lost, but he, I'm sorry, pitched for the Angels at Toronto. Um, the Angels lost, but he pitched pretty well. And um, we wish him well. We wish him well. He was, a, he was a good soldier, had a really bad year, a really good year, ended up kind of being one of those middle, middle to rotation pitchers is where he settled in it. As as uh, this year though he's probably the best White Sox pitcher, most consistent. But on the on the team, you know that's you know maybe playoff bound this year. He's he's probably a, a two or three, right? But um, always a good guy. Always good to be around him in the locker room as well. Join us at the ballpark on Tuesday, August eighth for Yacht Rock Night presented by City Cruises. The first ten thousand fans will receive a White Sox boat captain hat. To purchase tickets, tickets visit WhiteSox.com/slash promos. All right, back with you on White Sox Weekly. I'm Jesse Rogers, sitting in for Connor McKnight. He has play-by-play duties. The White Sox and Guardians face off. Mike Clevenger, uh, later tonight after 6 o'clock, his first pitch. Mike Clevenger has um, the ball as he comes off the injured list. And um, the White Sox made a bunch of roster moves, as they will be doing probably between now and the deadline, as uh, they change up their roster Things did not work out this year, so they're retooling for the future. Let's talk to Matt in Frankfurt about it. You're on ESPN 1000 White Sox Weekly. What's up, Matt? So, I want. I think we should move Yasmani Grandal. We can't really get anything that's worth nothing for him. So, do you think a team will give us like a like a tip on an international signing or like a, a heads up when it's our turn to our draft? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a difficult trade to make. I mean, to make uh, he's having, you know, he's doing okay at the plate, 700 OPS. Uh, but we know defensively there's some issues there. And we saw last year on the other side of town trading a starting catcher type of player midseason just doesn't happen very often. Teams aren't going to integrate that. And, and you know, like I said, it, if he was a defensive stalwart, maybe. But but he's had some issues throwing guys out and stuff like that. Yeah, he'd have to be a DH. There's not a lot of contending teams that need that. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. It, it's really not. It could happen. But you're right. The return isn't going to be what you'd hope. And I just think those trades are a little bit hard to make, Matt. Thanks for the call. appreciate it. But I, I don't think that uh, Rick Hahn's done. And he hasn't traded a position player yet. So Grindel could be next. Tim Anderson is being looked at, I know, by a couple teams. Elvis Andrews could be a guy on the move. Could there be more? Could there be more of a core player on the move? I think anything's possible at this point as they've uh, taken apart their pitching staff. Next could be some position players. 312-332-3776. So throughout the show, we will play you some sound from this week. If you missed it, a lot of action over a guaranteed rate field. Rick Hahn met the media several times. Let's uh, start with the first one. Um, this is Lucas Giolito. And Ronaldo Lopez on the move to the Angels for a couple of prospects. Rick Khan spoke about that late on Wednesday night. Obviously, we're announcing a trade tonight with Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez going to uh, the Angels. I'm going to start with with our players, then I'll talk a little bit about what we acquired and and our excitement about that. Uh, You know, quite frankly, it was a, a... mildly emotional conversation with Lucas a few moments ago informing him of the trade obviously uh, given this club's performance over the course of the last several months it's uh, apparent that these type of moves have to take place given where we're at and putting us in the best position we can be going forward 
that said, uh, obviously Lucas's and Ronaldo's tenure with the White Sox is not ending in the way that we envisioned when we first acquired them. Uh, and I complimented both of them, not just on uh, their performances on the field, but the players they were in our clubhouse and the way they represented them and themselves in this club off the field, which uh, meant a great deal over their tenure. Uh, and they will they will both certainly be missed and certainly both uh, can help make that uh, Angels team better positioned for hopefully a postseason run for both of them. Uh, in exchange, we're excited that we are uh, acquiring uh, both uh, Edgar Caro, as well as Kai Bush. Uh, Caro, as you saw in the release, is uh, one of the more highly regarded catching prospects in the game at age 20, switch hitting catcher, uh, who is one of the youngest players in Double A. Uh, who uh, this year has posted more walks than strikeouts and continues to uh, develop as a as a game caller uh, and is viewed by the industry as you've seen from other publications as a as one of the top 100 prospects in the game. Uh, Kai Bush, left-handed starter, also at Double A, was in the Futures game a year ago. Uh, Kai had uh, a lat strain that derailed the start of his season, and then I believe there was a small groin issue while he was rehabbing from that, but now is back at Double A, throwing consistently, and uh, he provides a four-pitch mix, uh, quality left-handed starter, someone with some uh, uh, some upside, and obviously adds to uh, uh, that category in our, in our organization. So, uh, certainly not where any of us in the organization when this year started thought we would be come the trade deadline uh, but clearly moves like these in terms of putting ourselves in the best position going forward are essential and uh, we're certainly pleased that uh, we're adding Bush and Caro tonight you talked about your conversation your conversation with Lucas he said in recent weeks that his feelings about your organization mm-hmm. It was it was a private conversation about you know where he was when we first acquired him from Washington and and you know some of the depths he fell to in 2018 and what the organization uh, was able to do to help get him to be the pitcher and the man he is today the way he put it uh, and you know it was you you uh, these these aren't just moves on the back of a baseball card or something you do in fantasy. You obviously have relationships with these guys. And uh, Lucas and, and Ray in particular are two guys that we brought in with the goal of uh, you know winning together. And over the course of their tenure here, you know, there wasn't enough winning or as much winning as we had hoped. So that's that's disappointing. Uh, quite frankly, that's uh, you feel that for a little bit during the course of these conversations with the individual, and then we have to focus on what the matter is at hand and what our job is at, for the next several days as we lead up to the trade deadline. Is it certainly a, a long-term positioning on both these guys. Again, uh, Caro is 20. He's third or so youngest player in the Southern League. Uh, uh, so to say he's going to be on the opening day roster in 24 might be a tick aggressive. Uh, both he and Bush have the ability to contribute next year, we believe, but uh, certainly not going to, to rush the development. They're going to let them still declare their own pace. As, as all you all know around the game, 
catcher development can be a little little quirky. There can be fits and starts. Sometimes the offense is ahead of the defense or vice versa, and you got to wait for those things to even out. Uh, so far, again, as an extremely young player at a high level, at an advanced level, he's performed very well, and the, the defense continues to make uh, positive strides to match where he was offensively when he was in A-ball. So uh, very uh, very optimistic about the development path for both these players. And that's GM Rick Hahn talking about the trade to the Angels for Kai Bush and Edgar Cuero. Jesse Rogers with you in White Sox Weekly. Um, as the team says goodbye to Giolito and Lopez, we'll hear more from Hahn on the Graveman trade as well as the Kelly and Lynn trade to the Dodgers as well. But first, let's pause 10 seconds for Station ID. Live from the old National Bank State Street studio. This is WMVP WSHEHD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, back with you, 312-332-3776. Connor's got play-by-play duties. My name is Jesse Rogers, White Sox Weekly. We'll talk to Len Casper an hour from now. In 30 minutes, you'll hear from ESPN's prospect guru, Kylie McDaniel. He'll tell us more about all these guys the Sox are getting back. On paper, they've been good trades. People outside of Chicago will say that. Prospect guys will say that. I'm sure Kylie McDaniel will say that. But let's throw a butt in there because the trades they did – during the first rebuild, on paper, we're good. When the Sox get up to discuss what the heck went on the last couple of years, and they'll probably do it in some form after the trade deadline and certainly after the season, I'm sure in some manner they are going to talk about the parts not fitting together as a team, right? So prospect rankings alone don't um, tell you that you are going to have a successful The parts have to fit as a team, offensively, defensively, and on the mound. And I think that's a pretty, um, I'm going to say, simple explanation for one, one explanation for what went wrong here during during these last couple years. The parts didn't fit together perfectly as a team. And the fact that these parts are wanted by other teams tells you that they're not terrible players. Teams are giving up pretty good prospects for these players. So the Sox did have some good players, but they did not fit together as a team. So as they do this again, at least in a partial manner, these half these parts have to fit better. And certainly they have to have better athleticism and defense to go along with whatever they do on the mound at the plate because that is a glaring need for this team. All right, we've got some callers on hold. I'm going to let you talk. You heard from Rick Hahn. You'll hear more from Rick Hahn, but you're up next right here on White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. It's simple. The ESPN Chicago app. All right, welcome back. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly. I'm filling in for Connor McKnight. He's got play-by-play duties. Reminder, we'll talk to Kylie McDaniel, ESPN's prospect guru. You won't want to miss him at 430 and Len, Cos- and Len Casper, you don't want to miss him either, at 5 o'clock. They will both join me before I get out of here at 5.30 and we bring you the White Sox pregame show. Let's go to David in Peru. You're on White Sox Weekly. David, what's on your mind? Hey, Jesse. I want to thank you on your career. You've always, your integrity has been your benchmark, and I want to thank you for it. You've been oh, that thank way you. your whole thank career. You. Thank you very much. I... I, I uh, Kenny Williams' son has had a player development 
that hasn't worked out so well yet. I don't trust the White Sox management. Um, their their scouting hasn't been the best. Ozzie Guillen said Colson Montgomery will play first or third, but he won't be a shortstop. He also said on the new catcher, they should hire a veteran major league catcher or to catch help coach him at Birmingham because he'll need a lot of it. He also said, Don Cooper said, that that left-handed pitcher won't last because of his arm delivery. And I want to know what degree of confidence we should have in Sox management for some of They need a self-scout. I mean, uh, sometimes it's like that Tatis deal. We gave away secretariat for Tony the Pony who gives rides at the fair. I mean. (laughs) I hear you, David. I'm going to put you on hold because you're you're dropping it a little bit in and out. I I will guarantee you this. If Rick and Kenny were taking this phone call like I am, they would agree with your doubts. There's no reason we should have faith. Rick said that at the beginning of this year that he – that the team and the organization had to win back the faith of the fans after an 81 and 81 season. Now an 81 and 81 season is not horrendous. If you haven't asked your fan base to sit through a rebuild, this is the risk of rebuilds. They've already sat through 90 lost seasons. So when you are supposed to win and you have an 81 and 81 season, that's a killer. Now when you're 20 games under, that's a, you know, sometimes a game changer in terms of uh, turning over personnel that are the decision makers. Whereas if you don't do a rebuild and you're just going along and you have some winning years and then some losing years, some winning years, and then all of a sudden you have an 81 and 81 year, it's not so bad because you've given your team, your organization, your fans some hope over the years, then you're okay. You have a step back year. That happens. But you can't have a step back year when you've already asked them to sit through as much losing as the Sox had up until 20 and 21. So I think your doubts are warranted. I think they would agree with your doubts. They already agreed with them at the beginning of this season, coming off of last year. And I don't disagree with a lot of the things you're saying. I I hate to say it this way, but, you know, just based on the results, the White Sox might need to pull a Costanza. If you remember the Seinfeld episode where he did the opposite, that, that his instincts... Sox might need to do that. Whatever their instincts are, do the opposite. And you're right. They brought in two catching prospects this week. They need a catching guru to bring them along. They need to reexamine everything. Again, how they develop players and certainly how they keep them healthy. Let's not forget about that. On the way out of town, Giolito, Lynn, others all mentioned first and foremost the injuries. And that's a fair assessment. But why were they getting injured so much? Is it what you're saying? Poor scouting. Because there was some indications, for example, that Eloy Jimenez had some injury history to him. Can't say for sure it would continue, but it certainly has. And how is it there are four core players, Robert, Jimenez, Anderson, Makata, continue to get hurt, continue to get hurt? I think they have to examine all that 
including the things that you brought up. Let's go to Mike and Glen Ellen. Mike, you're on White Sox Weekly. White Sox Weekly, what's happening? Hi, Jesse. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I am uh, obviously I know why uh, they needed to um, trade all the pitchers and trade whoever else they're going to trade. Um, uh, Lucas Giolito is going to be missed, but uh, I really think that the, the White Sox used to be a pitching rich organization. I'm looking at the minor leagues, in particular Charlotte, right now. They're three and twenty-one, and um, uh, you know I see names like uh, Jesse Schultens and Tyler Banks, Sammy Peralta, Nick Padilla. Uh, Nate Fisher, Brian Shaw. I mean, is there any? I don't. I don't see anybody on that uh, list I just mentioned who is could be even a, a fourth or fifth starter uh, in the future, let alone a decent arm out of the bullpen. I just think they're going to. I hate to say it, but I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and, and and sign a couple of free agent pitchers over the offseason because I just don't see anybody in the minors. Yeah, look, I didn't. I haven't looked at it in the last week because I've been so busy with the deadline, but I did look at some of their stats at least a, a little while ago, and n- there wasn't a starter that jumped off the page at AAA. I don't disagree with you. Now, stats don't tell the whole story. You have to talk, dig deeper sometimes. I don't disagree with you. They don't necessarily have major league-ready starters. It could change over the next two months. I mean, things happen at the prospect level quickly, and and things can look bad and then good, but things can look bad and then good. So, you know, uh, good and then bad. You can't assess it completely based on just looking down at the numbers, but I don't disagree with you. There's nobody, if you talk to prospect people, experts, there's nobody ready to just take that ball and be a number one or number two, right? So Edgar Navarro is going to get a chance here. Um, They've called up a couple guys this week, but I'm not sure any of them scream ace, and that's something they have to find in the near future. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. 312-332-3776 is the phone number if you want to jump on. Uh, we've been talking about the first trade, the Lucas Giolito trade. Let's hear from the big right-hander who started for the Angels last night, but the day before his start, he was in the White Sox clubhouse saying goodbye to teammates and talking to the media. Here's Lucas. It's hard to say. It's hard to put into words. It, it, it's, you know, very unfortunate. Uh, obviously, the, one of the first things that comes to mind is the injury bug. It's plagued this team over the last few years, and it's been hard to find a rhythm and consistency uh, with all that kind of stuff going on. Um, but, you know, I'm always going to have, you know, the White Sox in my heart. Uh, like I said before, you know, I grew up here, so i um, always going to be rooting for them. Um, yeah, we'll see see what happens. Any, You're a free message, agent. any message for fans and how they received you here over the last several years? White Sox fans are a very passionate bunch. Uh, you know, they the excitement they showed when I first came over here in the trade, uh, welcoming welcoming me into you know this organization, this city, um, sticking with me through some very difficult times. Uh, you know, 2018 comes to mind. Last year comes to mind, and then um, just all the love and support. Like my phone going on Twitter and Instagram, it's just filled with amazing emotional messages from so many fans um you know that i've got the chance to you know perform in front of for the last six seven years um yeah it, it really means a lot um yeah wonderful passionate fan base and you know like i said i'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh at some point in the future they can you know 
have a lot more fun uh, watching this team play well. Lucas, talk about your memory. That was a weird one. <laughs> yeah, that was such a surreal, strange season that we had. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, obviously that's one of the all timers between that and the playoff game, same year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I remember opening day. I pitched opening day, and I think I gave up a home run on the first pitch. It was so strange, you know, warming up in the bullpen with no fans, and it was so quiet, and it felt weird. And then we all kind of got used to it, and then, you know, I pitched the game of my life. Um, and even though there weren't fans in the, the stands, I could feel that energy from White Sox fans all throughout the city that night. And uh, again, yeah, it's a memory I'll cherish forever. You're a free agent. Is the door open still for Chicago? Of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be, I don't know. I'm not worried about that too much right now. I, again, like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an angel and I'm excited for that opportunity. And I'm excited to, you know, hopefully go out and win a lot of games here in the next few months and have a nice playoff run. That was Lucas Giolito. And I, I I feel like we should take some phone calls if you want to look back at uh, what Giolito's career was with the White Sox or, or Lance Lynn or Ronaldo Lopez or Kendall Graveman, um, you know, Joe Kelly. If you want to sort of assess what they were. Now, Giolito was kind of here the longest, right? He was he was traded at the beginning of this, of this rebuild. So there's a, there's a bigger sample size as a person, as a player to assess and talk about. And I think you'd agree with me. He was a good soldier, did the best he could, had his had his ups and downs for sure, as he mentioned, um, but was a solid pitcher at, at different times when the Sox needed him to be. Like like any starting pitcher that isn't necessarily an ace, he, he had some bad moments as well, and he knows that. But I, I thought he was a solid person, solid citizen, solid player for the White Sox, even though it was it was a volatile sort of few years for Lucas Giolito on the South Side. Speaking of the South Side, South Side Mondays presented by United Airlines are back. Join us Monday, August 7th, as your White Sox take on the Rangers in the South Side jerseys and honor small businesses making an impact on the South Side. Get $20 in concession credit when you purchase a specifically priced ticket and receive 20% off South Side jerseys. To purchase, visit whitesox.com slash Mondays. As we head to break, why don't we listen to a few of the Highlights of Lucas Giolito's career as a White Sox pitcher. Changeup got him. Nasty from Giolito. Olsen strikes out swinging. So there's a swing and miss against the high fastball. 0-2. Struck him out swinging. Lucas Giolito strikes out the side. He has been perfect with a capital P. 3-2. Grossman having a good battle here. He strikes out swinging, 94 right on the outside. Seven strikeouts for Giolito. Up, down, in, out, fastball, slider, changeup. There have only been five to do what he's done through six innings in a playoff game. So Giolito allowed one base runner through seven full innings, just a little ground ball single. Allows the first two A's to reach base safely here in the bottom of the eighth. And with that, 100 pitches into his playoff debut. Oh, he gets to keep the ball. Get weird with Waddle's World on ESPN Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. 
He's got play-by-play duties tonight, Cleveland and the White Sox, a little bit after 6 o'clock as the White Sox uh, broke their losing streak. One last night, really, really good pitching performance by Tuki Toussaint. We'll see what uh, Mike Clevenger brings tonight as he comes off the injury list. Get to the ballpark early tomorrow for Family Sundays presented by Coca-Cola. And don't miss pregame kids' autograph sessions. The first 125 kids to enter at Gate 5 will be escorted to a special area where they will receive autographs from some of their favorite White Sox players. Learn more at whitesox.com slash Sunday. All right, we've been playing some sound from the week for you in case you missed it with all these trades. Uh, Rick Hahn discussed Lucas Giolito. We played that. And then, of course, a day later, it's Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly on the move. Here's Rick Hahn on that trade. All right, obviously, I believe we've announced two trades, even though they were announced on Twitter about three hours ago. Um, Obviously, a continuation of what we started the other day in terms of taking uh, players that, quite frankly, we never envisioned needing to move on from when we acquired them. But given the type of season we've had, it makes uh, certainly makes sense for us to improve our future at the cost of the uh, current 23 club. Uh, So... Definitely uh, mixed feelings and, and some disappointment involved in trading guys like Lance and Kendall and Joe. Uh, however, great deal of excitement certainly down at our end of the building about uh, the prospects we received in exchange. Um, starting with, we'll, we'll start with the, the Houston trade with catcher Corey Lee, a uh, very strong uh, catch and throw type good leader on the field, high energy. Uh, I believe it was in the release because uh, that's how good Bob Bechtel is, uh, that he was teammates and he actually was roommates with Andrew Vaughn. Uh, Andrew Vaughn and I had a conversation earlier today uh, about Corey and about Corey's potential fit and makeup and uh, Andrew had nothing but very positive things to say and we're excited to add uh, another potential uh, future piece behind the plate to the organization. Uh, with the Dodgers, uh, we acquired two arms and, and Trace Thompson, starting with uh, Nestrini. We view him as having a, a very solid four-pitch mix, uh, command of all four with significant upside and the ability to uh, uh, continue his advancement towards towards Chicago here. Uh, Leisure is a, another power arm, fastball slider combination. Uh, obviously has some gaudy strikeout numbers in double-A. Uh, he will be joining the Charlotte Knights in the coming days, so we're, we're promoting him right off the bat. And uh, look forward to following both those pitchers' development here over the next next several months and, and into 2024. Uh, Trace, uh, you know, obviously we all know Trace. Those of you who've been around for a while have been here for his previous stint. Uh, between the lines, he provides us with some versatility the ability to play all three outfield positions obviously complement the left-handed hitters we have in the corners and to back up uh, uh, back up Luis in center field uh, as importantly uh, Trace is a class individual class is a great teammate he is a uh, uh, a very strong team guy and the type of guy we want in here as part of this culture, uh, certainly for the rest of the year and, and potentially going forward as well. So with that, questions? Rick, the two guys that you traded on Wednesday, you talked about how they were pending free agents and 
what that meant for, for this deal. The three guys who traded today had more control or the options of more control. The potential for more control. Yeah, does that does it speak to uh, what your guys' plans are for next season? That you I, I think it speaks more towards uh, projecting out how each of those guys would potentially fit going forward and being uh, more compelled to add the future pieces that we were able to get at this time. Obviously, all these things, the 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 guys who are impending free agents, I think from a logical standpoint, by the end, you should get what you can get if you're not going to compete this year. Uh, the guys with future control, it all comes down to a balancing of the return versus the value of that player in the organization for next year. Uh, in each of the deals today, we were very pleased with what we were able to bring back, but the uh, but there was no urgency necessarily to move any of the three players. Uh, well, he'll be in Charlotte, so how far is that? Uh, timetable. Timetable. Oh, geez, the harder question. It's going to say about 1,200 miles or something. Um, he's actually, I should say, going back on Trace as well, both Trace and, coincidentally, Corey are recovering from oblique injuries. Uh Trace is on a rehab assignment. He'll join Charlotte, and he needs to finish the 60-day stint for the 60-day IL, which will toll, I believe, the middle of next week, Wednesday or something like that. So he, he's close to returning. Uh, Corey was scheduled to DH tonight as a start of a rehab for him. Uh, so let's get him healthy, get him back uh, playing regularly initially on a rehab and then potentially in Charlotte or potentially in Chicago uh, to get him a chance uh to get to know this staff and for our, our coaches to get to know him. He obviously had some time in the past in the big leagues. He's still young, still developing, but there's a very real possibility we'll see him at some point this year and then figure out in the offseason how he fits going forward. But he's, he's on the cusp. Rick, what is fired is double A or higher is, is near readiness as something. That it's nice. I mean, you always would prefer near readiness is has great deal of appeal when you're evaluating the value of a trade. Uh, certainly there's slightly less risk because there's slightly less projection going forward. Uh, we did have conversations with uh, in all three of the deals about for all three of the excuse me, the cluster of players that we moved in all three deals, uh, we did have some A-ball targets involved that we discussed with teams. But, when you, again, when you balance out the returns, uh, having guys a little closer to the majors increases the value if the ceilings are similar. What is kind of, if, I don't know if it's, again, too early because you're still working, yes, what is, it is kind of your message to the fans right now? Uh, we're, right now we're working to continue to do what we've done over the last few days and then, you know, come August 1st. Yeah, first of all, I've been talking too much. I don't know if I need to keep sending messages, but we're going to keep doing the deals if, we, if they present themselves in the next few days and discuss them when they arise. What did, uh, what did Lance, uh, Joe, and uh, Kendall provide you when, when they were here? Who would they provide us when they were here? Uh, obviously a good amount of stability. You know, Kendall was uh, part of the mix for 7th, 8th, and ninth, and Joe, when we got him out there, was... was the pretty dominant back-end reliever and has a great deal of value. Obviously, given his experience in the postseason, you can see why he's an attractive target, a team that knows him well. Uh, and Lance was a, a stalwart in the rotation. Obviously, had some struggles this year, but you know, I'm pretty sure he was third place for the Cy Young on a division winner, and that's pretty damn impressive and pretty damn important. Perhaps coincidental, but did you intend to acquire multiple catchers and improve your catching? Uh, it's an area of need. I mean, arms and catching were certainly on the, the towards the top of the priority list based upon the system and what we have under control going forward. Uh, 
by no means did we sit down a month ago and say, let's get two catchers or let's get three catchers or make sure we get five arms or whatever it is. Uh, but there were areas of need and, and for creating depth and competition and alternatives is, is going to serve as well. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a real interesting clubhouse over the next couple of months in a good way. I think there's gonna be the, the room uh, for some of these young guys to sort of grow and blossom and then take some of the leadership reins, you know. As I mentioned, coincidentally I talked to Andrew Vaughn about his former teammate today, but I think that's a player who you're going to start seeing it, a larger leadership role in that room, and, and there's certainly others on the on the pitching staff that can seize that mantle too, now that some of the veterans are, are obviously going to be elsewhere. You said Wednesday night that you guys weren't done by any stretch. Yeah. Trades later, do you see more happening over the season? Again, impossible for me to prognosticate. Uh, we still have players of interest to other clubs, and we're still having talks, but I don't even know what day it is, but it seems like there's a few days left till the deadline until we get to Tuesday. Uh, so we're going to continue talking, and if there's something that makes sense, we'll, we'll pull the trigger. All right, that was White Sox general manager Rick Hahn explaining the deal, um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, to the Dodgers and then taking some questions from the media. He did that earlier this week. So we've kind of talked about some of these prospects that they got back. Uh, after a break here on White Sox Weekly, we're going to talk to ESPN, ESPN's own Kylie McDaniel. He's our prospects guru. He does a great job. I told him to pre- please dive into the White Sox system as well as these trades that the Sox made and, and, and um, analyze it for us, break it down. He'll do that in a few minutes. My name is Jesse Rogers. This is White Sox Weekly. We have another hour left in the show. So first up, Kylie McDaniel. We'll play some more sound. Take your phone calls. We'll talk to Len Casper at the top of the hour. And then, of course, we've got White Sox baseball coming up here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network just after 6 o'clock tonight from – Guaranteed rate field. Back with Kylie McDaniel in a moment on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch, ESPN 1000 Chicago. Sox Weekly, Jesse Rogers with you for another hour. Hope you're having a good Saturday afternoon. We will talk to ESPN's own Kylie McDaniel, our prospects guru, momentarily. As the White Sox are in the midst of breaking up their current roster, and they brought back a bunch of prospects already. Uh, Kai Bush, Edgar Caro in that uh, deal with the Angels. Uh, catcher Corey Lee came from Houston in sending Kendall Graveman down there. And then, of course, for Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn, it was Nick Nastrini and Jordan Leisure, a couple of right-handed pitchers, along with Trace Thompson. We're familiar with him here in Chicago. Those are the deals and the prospects they've gotten back so far. The trade deadline is uh, Tuesday at 5 o'clock Chicago time. So I would guess there's at least one more trade, maybe multiple trades um, up Rick Hahn's sleeve. We'll see what happens. But um, this position player mix is going to be interesting. Where, who do they trade from there? Can they move Grandel, who's going to be a free agent? It's tough to move catchers at this time of year. Where do they go? Um, where do they go? Where do they go up the middle with Elvis Andrews and Tim Anderson? Uh, can they be moved? Will they be moved? I think these are all good questions, and we'll, go th- we'll get those answers momentarily. So we're going to hear from Kylie McDaniel in a few moments, but why don't we get back to some sound as we get Kylie on the line here. Um, and, of course, you can call in for any questions for Kylie. Again, ESPN's prospect guru, 312-332-3776. 
Um, we're going to get to a, what, what montage is that uh, we want to get to? Lance Lynn. Yes, a little Lance Lynn montage. He didn't always have the best moments this year in a White Sox uniform. But if you look at the entirety of his career, he certainly helped them um, those first few years. They got to the playoffs under Lance Lynn. He had a lot of swing and miss this year, at least against right-handed pitching. Excuse me, right-handed hitting. Lefties took him out of the yard a little bit too often. But Lance Lynn had a decent time with the White Sox. And here's a little montage of some of his highlights. A kick and a pitch, swing and a miss, strike three on a curve. Two down. That's three straight punch outs for Lance Lynn. Swing and a miss, 11 strikeouts for Lance. Swing and a miss, strike three. That's a dozen for Lance Lynn, tying his career best. The fourth time he's done it. 2-2, swing and a miss, strike three. That's a new career best. 13 Ks for Lance. 2-2, swing and a miss, strike three. 14 Ks for Lance Lynn. Lance ready. Here's a 3-2. Struck him out swinging. Make it 16 and a share of the record for Lance Lynn. Some great stuff from Lance Lynn. Like I said, a lot of swing and miss. Um, Let's play one more little montage uh, from one of his good outings with the White Sox. Count holding it two and two. So they're not going down without a fight. The pitch. Swing and a miss. A complete game. Five hitter. Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. He strikes out 11. What a performance. And the White Sox beat the Royals 6-0. Wow. I mean, some good times with Lance Lynn on the mound. He is a bulldog. He is a bulldog. In any case, um, there might be some breaking news in baseball. Uh, We may have Kylie talk about this because I assume there'll be some prospects potentially going back to the New York Mets. But there's potentially a deal between the Rangers and the Mets for one Max Scherzer. But let's talk to Kylie McDaniel about the White Sox right now. This is White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you. Kylie, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Jesse. You got it, pal. Well, the White Sox have been busy this week. I mean, really busy. And it looks like on paper, if you believe prospect rankings, they did a pretty good job in their deals. Gilito and Lopez to the Angels, Graveman to the Astros, Kelly and Lynn to the Dodgers. Which of those deals did you kind of like perk up and say, wow, they really did get a good return here? Tell me which one kind of caught your eye. I think the uh, deal with the Angels to get Cuero and Kai Bush was the one that sort of struck me as having the most value and also sort of kicked off everything that was going on. And that also obviously cause, because the Angels had announced they weren't going to trade Otani and then traded for two rentals. And so they're really pushing their chips in. And I think as is usually standard when there's uh, a glut of players on the market and then a trade happens, it tends to be a little bit of an overpay as the first one to kind of get everything going. Uh, Cuero for me is like an easy top 100. You could argue, is he more 30th or 90th on a top 100? Um, but he can really hit. He's got a good approach. Uh, he can probably catch, but he just, has, just hasn't lifted the ball enough this year and has probably been put at a level one year ahead of where he should be. And he's still 20, so he's still got a little bit of time. And then Kai Bush uh, had some sort of minor, I think it was, uh, I think it was groin and shoulder, um, but not, or maybe not shoulder, but, but like the non arm part of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so like some minor stuff that doesn't really change the outlook, but then he came out and he looked like he was like sort of a fringe top 100, maybe 150, 175 overall chance to be a third, fourth starter. And you're getting a collective, what, 12, 13 years of those guys for uh, a collective three or four months of, 
Ronald Lopez and Giolito. And I was like, all right, that's, that's a really good move. I've, I've been critical of Rickon here and there, but like, that's a good move. And I think that sort of set the stage for the sort of value they've been getting in these trades so far. Yeah. I think it's, it's real interesting going back to what you said earlier. Like if this, there's a bunch of teams on the bubble, if the Sox were on the bubble, perhaps they don't get as many good players in these, in these deals. This is why when people say, how come early deals aren't done in late June or early July? Well, prices are really high. The, the closer you get to the deadline, the prices come down. For example, I think you and I have both heard the Cardinals' prices are really high right now. Well, the Sox held up some high prices, and these teams are paying them. So the fact that the Sox were so out of the mix gave them a leg up on, on some of these other teams, I feel like. And, yeah, I think we all kind of you know sort of perked up when we saw uh, these prospect rankings. Um, let's go to the Kelly and Lynch trade to the Dodgers for Nestrini and, and, and Jordan Leisure. What I think there is interesting is the Dodgers' system so deep that if Nestrini is number 10 in their system, he might be number six in someone else's system. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I've got Nestrini number five in my updated, not yet published uh, White Sox rankings that I, that I kind of keep going at all times. But he's, he's right there. He could be, you know, fifth or eighth or, you know, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, they had, I believe he was part of the double-A rotation the Dodgers had which the five guys that were in the rotation making all the starts, I believe their average velocity of those five guys, who all projected like big league starters, uh, was higher than like five big league teams. Like they were one of the more historically loaded one through five rotations in like the history of prospectum. Uh, and Nestrini is especially interesting because he was a guy that was a later round pick out of UCLA that left the team during the spring and was throwing in a lesser college league leading up to the draft. And so he was like kind of forgotten about by a lot of teams that even haven't turned in. I believe he was in the fifth round. It might've been the fourth round of the 2021 draft. Uh, and then he immediately put up some of the most ridiculous strikeout numbers I've ever seen. And also putting up some of the best shaped, uh, like sort of bat missing shape to a fastball uh, and track man, just like sitting in the high nineties and striking out two guys per inning. It was unreal. Um, and so he's leveled off a little bit since then, but the, the sales pitch with him is, Probably a starter. If not, it's one of those guys that can go three or four innings or be, you know, sort of long relief, you know, some sort of multi-inning role. But it is above average to plus stuff and throws it over the plate and pretty good athlete and really attacks and comes at you. Every now and then that kind of guy turns into Dylan Cease. More often that guy turns into, you know, fourth, fifth starter, maybe eighth, ninth inning guy. Like, you know, some power arm of some utility. And he's the headliner in that deal for sure. Interesting. Visiting with Kylie McDaniel from ESPN. He's our prospects guru. Does a great job just you know, search up at ESPN.com, um, prospect rankings, uh, uh, um, the amateur draft stuff. I mean, just anything you do, Kylie, is just so informative. So I appreciate your time here. So let's get to the most major league ready player. And I think the White Sox were able to grab Corey Lee because Kendall Graveman had that extra year on his contract. He's not a pending free agent. So here's Corey Lee, just turned 25 years old, little cup of coffee there in uh, Houston last year. But I would assume he is – on the major league team as soon as next year, if not sooner for the Chicago White Sox. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And Houston was in a spot where they could deal from strength. They had him and Yiner Diaz that were at the, at the, at the top of their minor leagues. Diaz is the one that kind of got to the big leagues and has sort of clicked the most uh, league got sort of left behind in triple a. And it's like underperformed a little bit, uh, but really is a guy that is, if we're talking about what the offensive bar is for a catcher, like he's certainly above that and can definitely like an above average defender that can really throw and is a pretty good athlete. And the concern would be if, it, like, if you're saying it doesn't work, Corey Lee doesn't become what we think he can be. Why? Why would? What would the reason be? It'd be like, well, he could be one of those guys that's like a 230 hitter with a 290 on base that hits 12 or 15 homers, um, which might be like, you know, an, a, a backup in some certain, certain some instances. 
But in reality, if we're saying who's the 30th best catcher in the big leagues, he's probably that good maybe as soon as next year. And to have that for the league minimum for three seasons, uh, that's incredibly valuable. And so that's why, like you were saying, that's the reason he was available is because Graveman came with an extra year of control. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting, the range of prospects they've got. Guy, a guy that might be majorly ready, and then some guys that are a couple years away. But this is what you do when you when you start you know ripping apart your team. You just... You gather up as many good prospects as you can, and I think Rick Hahn said it right. Like, let's let the dust settle, and we'll see what exactly we have going into next year. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? You probably can't really tell from the the deals they've done so far. It's it's. I mean, nobody's necessarily ready to be the rookie of the year, but um, it, it's hard to know if this team's rebuilding or retooling right now. I, at least in my opinion, Kylie. What's yours? Yeah, I think the, I was actually just doing another radio spot and they were sort of asking me a similar question, like which, which team will definitely sort of make a trade or, you know, where would the biggest trade be? And I was like, well, you know, if the Mets or Padres are one of these teams that seems like they could still contend or is still in the mix, if they decide to sell, then obviously they have the most good players to sell. The Cardinals seem like the team will, that definitely needs to make a couple trades and probably will. And with the White Sox, I think the question is, well, are they going to like try to like tear down everything and anyone who doesn't have at least three to four years of control but is still in their controlled years uh, at the league minimum, if they're doing that, then they got a couple more trades to make. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I mean, you may know more about this than me. Uh, I don't think sort of Dylan Cease and Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez and, you know, like all these guys are going to get run out the door. I think the idea is the guys that aren't going to be on this team in two years uh, or, or older or, you know, whatever it might be, let's turn those yeah. guys into dudes that are ideally in AA and AAA so that next year and the year after we can have a better team than we had this year. And if that's the case, then like, I'm not sure there's another like obvious trade to be made that'll definitely happen, but there certainly could be one or two more. Yeah, I think we're vibing in, in, on the same frequency there for sure. I mean, you know, I know teams are kicking the tires on Tim Anderson now that he's gotten hot. You know, Elvis Andrews is at the end of his career, basically. So that's not going to, you know, Yasmani Grandel, it's probably not going to happen. So you'd really have to go to a core, core guy outside of Anderson, and then that really changes the dynamic if, if they do that. Visiting with Kylie McDaniel from ESPN. He's our prospects guru. So it sounded like you're getting ready for an updated prospect rankings. Uh, before we get to that, tell me about the White Sox system. I was talking to a caller, and uh, again, I'm no expert, neither was he, but it didn't look like on the mound anybody was ready to pop. They just called up Edgar Navarro this, to make potentially his major league debut. I just look at stats, and it didn't look like at AAA Charlotte there was any starter that was necessarily ready to pop. How do you view their pitching prospects over the next year or so outside of the ones they just uh, brought back? Uh, I was just going to say I was going through the top of uh, my rankings, and it looks like Nestrini and Kai Bush have both been at AA this entire season. I would imagine both will be in AAA and probably the big league next year. So I think those would be the guys at like the top of the list. Uh, and I think like Jonathan Cannon, uh, who was drafted last year out of Georgia, I believe he's been in high A, so he's just behind those guys. Uh, like there's there's some guys I think with potential starter upside, but I don't think any of them have gotten to Double A and seem like they're going to be in a rotation in the big leagues. I think those would be the two guys that seem most likely um, to be that sort of guy, and everybody else is either A ball or power arm that might be relief, you know, might be sort of a utility guy uh, in terms of, you know, pitching utility. Uh, I think that's a little more we're looking at 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 the sort of top of the system. Whereas when you look at like Colson Montgomery at the top of the system, I think he'll be in the top 10 prospects in baseball when I updated a few weeks uh, that he's now didn't start the season until later. Like that guy, that is the slam dunk, like top of the system. That's the guy you can focus on that you can really, you know, in in the same way, like Seattle, I think somewhat wrongfully was focused on Jared Kelnick. And then once Julio showed up, they're like, never mind Julio. That was the guy we were focused on. It was, 
<laughs> I think the fans sure. got, uh, got bamboozled a little bit. I think Colson Montgomery is the very clear number one prospect here. That's the guy you hang your hat on that you get excited about. The, like, you know, all the fans might be buying his jersey in, as, as soon as, you know, a year from now. Real quick, uh, we only have a minute. Would you say most of these guys at least uh, slot in after Colson, you know, somewhere between 2 and 15, uh, whether it be Nestrini, Kai Bush, Carroll, I mean, Corey Lee, are they, are they there in the top uh, 10 to 15 of, uh, for sure for the White Sox now? Yeah, I think depending on how much impact you think Leisure will make, I think basically everybody else is in the top 15. Leisure's a guy that will you know, certainly be a big leader of some sort. So it's not like, not the short-change him, but his upside is probably 17th sure. inning guy. Everyone else, including Jacob Gonzalez, the first-round pick. Uh, and some guys that are playing the big leagues like Colas uh, certainly fit in that top 10 to 15 or so. And just for, you know, I haven't committed to this uh, publicly yet, but just for context, uh, two winters ago I had the White Sox as the 30th last farm system in baseball. Uh, coming into this year I had them 26. Right now I have them 12th. So if they can make one or two more trades, they might break into the top 10 having just been selling for, you know, a month, uh, which would be quite a turnaround from a system that uh, didn't have a ton of hope pretty recently. Well, you got to find a positive in a losing season. The White Sox are trying to do that. They're off to a decent start, at least according to my guy, Kylie McDaniel. I appreciate the time, Kylie. I know you have a lot to do as the trade deadline approaches in terms of you know, the winners and losers of, of, of this deadline. So uh, I appreciate the time and go, go back to work. Yeah, we're going to see if this uh, Mets-Texas deal comes together and all some more work to do. Yeah, it sounds like Scherzer is debating whether to waive his no-trade clause. He'll probably ask for three more years at $40 million, um, to, to waive it. I mean, we'll I would, see. too. <laughs> yeah, I would, too, exactly. Kylie, thanks for your time. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Kylie McDaniel, ESPN's prospect guru, does a great job. Hopefully that was informative to you that uh, are listening. The Rangers, man, they are, they are definitely pushing their chips all in. They were the team that, that were on. They were waiting, actually. I can tell you this for sure. They were waiting on Otani and the Angels. Once they pulled him off the market, they they went to some other big names, and it sounds like Max Scherzer could be on his way to Texas um, to pitch for the Rangers. Is uh, Right now, I think it's up to him. If he waves his no-trade clause, he is a Ranger. And obviously, uh, they lost Jacob deGrom earlier this season. Scherzer's not been the best of seasons, but you never know what can happen to a guy like that if he gets back into a pennant race. The Mets have certainly... Underachieved. All right, Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly. We will talk to Len Casper at the top of the hour. Stay tuned. This is ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Greeny 10 to noon weekdays, ESPN Chicago. Here on Friday, August 25th for our second postgame concert featuring Vanilla Ice headlining the I Love the 90s Tour. Presented by Winningham Meats, also featuring Rob Bass and Tone Lowe. Want an up-close on-field experience? Exclusive field pass tickets packages are on sale now with limited availability. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash concert. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we had with Kylie McDaniel there. Very interesting about the White Sox prospects. They all basically slot into the top 10 or 15 um, and that's going to move up the White Sox farm system into the top 15 itself. That doesn't win you a championship, but at least it's good news in a bad season. Let's put it that way. Let's break 10 seconds for Station ID. Live from the old National Bank State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSAG HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, coming up, Len Casper joins the show from Guaranteed Rate Field, the fine play-by-play voice of the White Sox. 
We'll talk about last night's game. Tuki Desant looked really good. And also just how he preps now with all these new name, new names. Edgar Navarro is the latest. He got called up, will make his major, de- major league debut on the mound when he gets in a game. He's wearing number 66. Len Casper joins White Sox Weekly right here on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Radio Network. The ESPN Chicago Triple Play AM, FM, HD, and app. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Got a half hour left in the show. Good to be with you on this Saturday afternoon. Jesse Rogers filling in for Connor McKnight. Connor's got play-by-play on the radio tonight. That means Len Casper moves over to do TV. He'll join me in just a couple moments as we talk White Sox baseball and what's gone on here over this last week as the White Sox sort of come to the official end of their run with this team. Made the playoffs in 20, made the playoffs in 21, Went a little backwards in 22, but really, really took a step back this year. As we all know, uh, April just killed them. May and June weren't much better. Played 500 ball for a lot of it, but just could never get in gear. So here we are, Rick Hahn, um, with several press conferences, saying goodbye to Lucas Giolito, saying goodbye to Lance Lynn, saying goodbye to Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly. And There's probably more to come between now and Tuesday. And that means there's a lot of new faces uh, joining this team now and probably over the next few days, over the next week or so, which makes it a little bit tougher for my next guest. The White Sox play-by-play man right here on on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network, though he's doing TV tonight. It's my good friend, Len Casper. Len, how are you doing this afternoon? What's up, Jesse? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Are you diving into what makes Edgar, Edgar Navarro tick? I mean, this is a trying time for play-by-play men as well as everyone else that's been watching this team. But you guys got to learn some new, new names and new faces, huh? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really not that big a challenge. And actually, <laughs> to, to see fresh faces is, is kind of fun. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, you know, you just kind of watch them, in, in, in this case, pitch. And then uh, questions kind of arise as you move along. But uh, it is a time of transition for sure. And uh, it's been a busy week already, and I'm sure it'll continue to be busy. Um, but what a nice win last night. You know, he end up moving five pitchers in two days, and you end up pitching the best game of the year. That's the way baseball goes. Yeah, I was talking to Tanner Banks earlier about Tuki Toussaint. And, uh, look, opportunities arise in situations like this. I, I'm assuming he's going to get the ball every five days now. And after last night, he certainly deserves a few more chances. How about that curveball? I mean, there's not a ton of guys that throw the curveball more than any other pitch, and he's one of them. And it was on last night. Give me, give me your up close assessment. Yeah, no, he's got an interesting uh, repertoire in terms of sinker. You know that 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 big curveball you mentioned, and then the splitter. Uh, the, the big issue he has at times is he'll lose his command. But you know the stuff, everything moves a lot, and he's obviously got a lot of poise on the mound. This is the land of opportunity right now. And with a couple of months left in the season, I think, you know, you're not only auditioning for the White Sox, but as is always the case, you're auditioning for the entire league. So I think everybody uh, on this team here, they just want to go out and compete. And the other thing too, Jesse, is as you look at the schedule moving forward, the Guardians are a game and a half out of first place. Uh, The Sox starting uh, a couple of days ago, seven of 10 are against Cleveland. They've got the Texas Rangers on the road coming up, two more against the Cubs. Uh, they've got the Twins at home. I mean, they've got a lot of uh, competitive teams trying to 
make a playoff push. So, you know, you hate playing spoiler. That usually means and always means that you're out of the playoff picture. But, you know, in terms of what we do uh, as a broadcaster, you want every game to kind of matter as much as possible. And I think the White Sox would love to spoil some other team seasons, too. For sure. Visiting with Len Casper here on White Sox Weekly. Have you had a chance to talk to Declan Cronin yet? It's a great storyline. Um, a late, late round pick, and he's 25 years old. Um, what, what Have you been around him yet? Tell me about him. I haven't. I haven't. I have not uh, met him yet. Um, again, it's been kind of crazy around here, sure. um, kind of getting to, to, to talk to the new guys. But uh, certainly excited to to see him pitch, and uh, I believe you you said it, yeah, 36th round pick, and uh, pretty pretty neat story. So he's going to get a chance, and uh, you know there are some openings here in this in this bullpen right now, and uh, I think a lot of these guys who White Sox fans aren't that familiar with are not only going to pitch, but probably going to pitch in some high leverage spots. The one thing about a major league bullpen is if if you're in it invariably you're going to pitch in a 3-2 game in the seventh inning. So I, I, I think just about all the new guys are going to kind of get thrown in the deep end here at some point. Yeah, Cronin is going to wear number 59, Edgar Navarro number 66, if you're keeping track at home. Len, let's uh, review a little bit. And the way I want to review what, what, what's gone on this season is, and maybe even the last two, is actually try to predict what Rick and maybe even Kenny might say after this, as Rick said, at the dust settles. And – the idea that um, the parts were better than the sum really comes to mind here. And it's in some ways evidenced by the amount of players that are getting moved and, and moved for good prospects. And, and it doesn't sound like they're done. Um, do you think that's the kind of way they'll, they'll put it in, in some fa- fashion? This, the parts were here. It just didn't fit together completely. And that's something they need to do better uh, next time around. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. Obviously, that's it's their question to, to answer in the big picture. You know, where I go, I guess, just on, the, on the, in the small picture is uh, a lot of the guys you, you've counted on just haven't been fully healthy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not an excuse, but it is a reason. And I think when we've seen Luis Robert Jr., uh, Eloy Jimenez, I think Tim Anderson falls into this category. Certainly, Yohan Moncada, when they've been as close to healthy as possible, they've been really good, um, but they either haven't been available enough or have been playing through some stuff. And then in the rotation, you know, Lance Lynn, he had a great 21. He finished, what, third in the in the Cy Young voting, and then he had the knee injury right at the end of spring training last year and um, had stretches, I think, last year, but never kind of really was the same old Lance Lynn. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, it's a lot. And then Liam Hendricks, nobody expected that to happen. And that, you know, is way bigger than baseball, but, you know, one of the best closers in the game. And I really think, Jesse, that that's one of the storylines about this year. I think with Liam being unavailable to start this season, it just, it put everybody else kind of in a different role. And I'm not saying this team would be 500 if Liam you know, had been had been good to go the whole way, but um, he, he's really important. And, you know, guys like that get paid what they get paid because they're elite. So, you know, I, I don't think they'll use injuries as an excuse, and I think that's probably the right thing to, to, to avoid to say, but I see it. And yeah. it's been very rare that this team has been even close to fully healthy. Yeah, that certainly is part of the storyline for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, 
both Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn on the way out mentioned first and foremost those injuries. In a perfect world, I would like to see all 30 teams healthy and see what this White Sox could have, team could have done against the competition if, if, if they were healthy. But that just isn't part of baseball. And, and you're right. It was just never – it never did click. And you're right. This year, certainly the bullpen was behind the eight ball. I mean, Ronaldo yeah. Lopez was put in a tough spot. He was a high-leverage guy from day one this year in some ways filling in for Liam. And I think he did the best he could, but that, that's tough. When you've never done it day in and day out, and he was asked to do it. And, they, you know, they lost some tough games early on. I think that certainly plays a part. Yeah, you know, one other thing I would add, Jesse, just in my time here, you know, if you go back and look at the 21 club, they were basically at the top of the league in walk rate. Um, it, 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 it really worked. And it was a lot of the same guys Obviously, Grandal, you know, has dealt with some injuries, but, you know, he walked 23% of the time that year. Mancata walked a lot. Um, that has kind of gone by the wayside. And they've gone from, yeah. Yeah. you know, two years ago in the top five in walk rate to basically the bottom of the league. It's almost impossible to contemplate. So I do think that whatever this team looks like moving forward, you know, you want just a little more patience as time goes on. I expect Vaughn to walk a little more. As, as he gets older, you don't expect Robert or Anderson to, to do that a lot, but that's where Mancata being healthy really matters because he's one guy who will take his walks. And I think that's really important. Last thing you go back to the injuries. I mean, certainly the white Sox have, and should probably continue to dig deep into why the same guys have been getting hurt. But some of it is certainly bad luck and flukish. If I recall, I was at that spring training game, Lance Lynn, I believe it was salt river, um, a, a, a talking stick there, and it was it was the most innocent move off the mound where he injured his knee. If I'm remembering it correctly, it was a couple years ago. But you just never know what's going to impact your season. And certainly, if if there is an element of fluky flukiness to it, randomness to it, the White Sox used up all of it. If you know what I mean, they used up every part of the randomness of injuries these last few years. Yeah, and that's where you know you you. Obviously, count on depth, and I do think that the silver lining of this week is that you know the, the you've got now five new guys, I believe, on MLB.com now in the top thirty in terms of White Sox prospects. So, you know, you can make a couple of really key moves uh, in 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 a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, you find yourself with a lot more depth, uh, especially at Double A AA and Triple A. Uh, catching depth is something this team. Uh, badly needed, and I think everybody's excited about uh, the two catchers acquired here, and uh, we might see Corey Lee at some point in the big leagues before the season ends. Yeah, that would be cool. I think he is definitely um, the catcher of the future at this moment. Um, he's the most major league ready player of the guys they got back. Len, thanks for the time. Uh, have a little dinner, and uh, good luck on TV tonight. I hope you got your, uh, well, I was going to say suit and tie on, but, you know, th- th- this isn't like the 50s doing baseball games anymore. You no, don't have no, to. No, I, <laughs> no I've, got, I've got the polo on tonight, and uh, good luck with scooping people, Jesse. Yes. Good luck. Yes. A few more days. Thank you. Thank you, Len. Take care. You got <laughs> you it. You got it. See so, yeah, That's Len Casper, a great uh, play-by-play voice. I feel like, yeah, this if you're doing play-by-play like in the 60s, you got to wear the suit and the fedora and all that other stuff. Bring your family to a White Sox game with a family back, uh, pack presented by ExxonMobil. Your family will get you one ticket, hot dog, drink, and chips to select games starting at $19 per ticket. Plus, with every purchase, you have to have a chance to win mobile gasoline for a year. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash 
family. We'll continue on White Sox Weekly here. Jesse Rogers with you till the bottom of the hour. And then we bring you the pregame show Sox and Guardians coming up next hour right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. As we begin to wrap things up, we still have some time for some phone calls. 312-332-3776 is the number if you want to jump on. Again, 312-332-3776. The latest trade news today in Major League Baseball is a potential big one. Max Scherzer could be on the move from New York to the Rangers. Sounds like just waiting to see if he'll waive his no-trade clause. I assume he will. But there's all sorts of moving parts. Sometimes you want something in order to waive your no-trade clause. Could be another year on your deal. Could be something else. So a lot of moving parts on that one. Sox fans, um, sometimes there's a company in misery. You could relate to Mets fans. You could relate to Padre fans. I mean, how about the Mets? The um, highest payroll by far in baseball. And they are breaking apart their team just as the White Sox are doing here in Chicago as well. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. All right, we've been playing sound throughout the show. Just in case you missed it, there was so much going on this week with the trades. Why don't we hear from Lance Lynn, never one to be shy or uh, dishonest about his feelings. He spoke to the media in the days leading up to a trade, and then he did as well after the trade. Here it is about how it just didn't work out with the White Sox this year. Here's Lance Lynn. That's why you play the game, like we talked about yesterday. Um, you know, to have that opportunity, you, you know, obviously wish it was here. When I signed my extension here, that was the goal. Um, it didn't work out. Um, you know, I love my time here. Um, it didn't, like I said, it didn't work out as much as we winning as we liked. Um, but have great memories. We have great friends, great relationships, and you know I'm happy to have that time that I had here. But you know it is, it is a business, and, and sometimes these things happen. And you know I'm just looking forward to the uh, you know the possibility of making a playoff push. Yeah, it's not always about what happens on the field. It is a business. Here's more of Lynn on that. Obviously, they. You know, there's a lot of guys in there that you have close relationships with, with people even. Um, so families like each other, you know, you get to know each other over the years. Kids are friends. So, you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird time. Um, there's no other way to say it. Um, I think all in all, it, it, you know, everybody likes the opportunity to win, but you also are leaving people that you enjoy and that you, you've created relationships with. So that's the business, but, you know, it's also the, the sour part of it. And here's Lynn on how he was told he was traded. I guess you always want more because you hear more. And it just, it, it, he, had, he didn't have what was out there. So, um, you know, and he told me, you know, he, he, we talked yesterday and today. He was like, hey, this has come up kind of quick. We didn't have anything when you, when, you know, when you thought you heard the things you heard. So, you know, he was truthful with me and, and we were able to, you know, move through. Yeah, I had heard that. They were trying to attach the reliever with Lynn to get a little bit more back. I don't know if it's completely true or not. It doesn't matter. But uh, Lynn and Kelly got this thing over the finish line is what I heard. So here's more on uh, from Lynn on just the disappointment with the White Sox not being able to get it done. 
Obviously, when you sign an extension, you make the playoffs in 21. You're hoping to, you know, keep building. Um, you know, when you came here, that was, you know, the window. Um, you know, right now, this, uh, you know, this is a little step back uh, for the White Sox because as players, we didn't do our job here and 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 make a run as we should have. Um, but you know, they're they're getting pieces to. Uh, to do what they need to do to, you know, build around the, the young talent that's still here. There's still a lot of talent in that locker room. Um, you know, maybe uh, doing some things here will kind of just let guys kind of fall into, to, you know, places where, you know, they can become the players that are, or the steps to become great players, especially on the pitching side, obviously. You have to see what you have now. So it could be a good little spot to have a regroup and then see where next year stands for them. Yeah, you know, you're trying to make a positive out of a bad situation. That's what the, the Sox front office is trying to do this week. Here's more from Lynn on some of those Sox young pitchers. I don't exactly know who's coming yet, So, but when you look at, you know, like even Tukey being able to throw tonight, uh, Tukey's got a lot of, you know, a lot of problems, and he's going to have the ability to show that he can be a starter in this league, and I think he can be. So, And that's somebody who was even in an organization a month ago. So they've done a good job of, of collecting arms here that, you know, have – some youth to them and the ability with some upside. And I know Ethan and Ash are going to do everything they can to make sure that those guys have all the tools to be successful and they have the arm and the talent to do it. So, you know, you look for those guys to take steps like that. Well, he was right about Tukey, at least for one night. He looked great last night. Um, you know, a lot of people, including myself, thought Pedro Grafal, a longtime good baseball man, would come in here and fix a few things that had gone wrong uh, it just didn't happen. Here's Lynn on Grafal's first year. I mean, you're looking at a, a manager that's in his first year. Um, you know, you, it takes time to uh, create what you want to create and what you want uh, to do here. So I think with obviously with this, with younger guys coming, you can really take that next step of, hey, this is what we're going to do to prepare for next year um, and know what is expected of you and things like that. And, you know, as the year's gone on, everybody's buying into it and doing all that. It's just going to work out on the field, and sometimes that happens. It didn't work out on the field. And I, I know a lot of people are sending criticism towards Pedro Grafal, and there's enough blame to go around. He could share some. But you got to give a guy another year. He stepped into a situation that, come on, it's not just on the manager. We, we all know that, right? The parts didn't add up, like I said to Len. Um, I think Pedro Grafal has been saying the right things, but saying and doing are two different things. He knows. He knows. Trust me. He knows things have to change. So at least give Pedro Gafal one more year. I'm saying I'm not saying that to the front office. I'm saying that to you, the fan. Give him one more year to, to really implement what has to go on because I think he was thrown into the deep end of the pool with this team that was supposed to contend, and obviously it's not all in the manager. Two different managers in the last two years, and the team, quote, underachieved, end quote. So – that's just me talking. I'd give him one more year. Here's Lynn Moore on the trade deadline. Trade deadlines are always weird, even when you are, quote-unquote, not on the block. There's really no way to say it because you either got somebody coming or going. If you're in it or you're out of it. So it's always uh, it's always a weird time. Like you said, you lose uh, friends and, and families that you're close with. Uh, they always come, they come and go at this time. So you're, you're never really looking forward to the trade deadline, but you always know that. It happens every year, so it's a, it is a relief when it's over because you know you, you kind of know what it's going to be, and then you get ready for the, the you know the, the last run of the of the season. Yeah, I've covered baseball for a long time, and this week before the deadline, no matter if you're adding or subtracting from your team, 
is really weird. I guess if you stand pat, it's not as weird. But even teams that technically are standing pat usually make some deal, right? I mean, I I guess not every team makes a deal every July, but most teams do, small or big. And it's just weird because for four months you're going along like normal. Yeah, guys get called up, guys go down, but there there aren't big names coming or going. Then all of a sudden it just happens in the span of a few days um, or in a week, a span of a week, but really – it's, it, it will happen a bunch in, in the next couple of days, even though the Sox got things rolling on Wednesday. So it's, it's kind of weird. It's just a strange feeling after you know going along for four months, this kind of thing happens. Last one from Lynn. The guy was great against righties this year, has not been good against lefties. What does he think he needs to do? I mean, you look at, uh, like we've talked about this year, there's still uh, still stuff that, that I'm doing well. There's some things I need to clean up. Um, so, you know, hopefully I'm able to do that and uh, help the team down the stretch here. But I still have the stuff to get out in, this big league, in the big leagues. So, you know, I'm going to go make sure I do everything I can to be successful here down the stretch. That's Lance Lynn. We wish him well in L.A. along with Joe Kelly. Got Kendall Graveman's reunion in Houston. And, of course, Lucas Giolito Ronaldo Lopez moving on To the Angels, there's probably more to come, so keep it tuned to ESPN 1000 for all your news between now and Tuesday. want to pass along some thank yous as we start to wrap up White Sox Weekly. First of all, Kevin Zipak, Sean Graney, and Brendan Riley for producing. Really appreciate it. And, of course, Brendan's got your pregame show coming up in just a couple minutes as well. Sox and Guardians at Guaranteed Rate Field. Mike Clevenger returns to the mound coming off the injured list, so he will start tonight as the White Sox try to win two in a row over the Guardians. Thanks to Kylie McDaniel, ESPN's prospect guru, and of course, Len Casper for joining me as well. Have a great rest of your Saturday and weekend. We'll talk to you later. White Sox baseball coming up next right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network.